What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hunting Public Podcast, powered by Dakota Lithium. We've been using Dakota Lithium products now for several years, and we just think they're awesome for the traveling hunter. They help us stay charged up while we're out on the road, and we don't have to worry about finding campsites that have power. Helps us not have to pay for campsites when we're out traveling. That saves us a little bit of money, and just the efficiency of being able to charge stuff while we're out on the road is pretty awesome so check the description of this podcast to find a link to dakota lithium's website and check out what they have to offer in this episode we're going to be talking with josh elderton again and if you're only a listener of the audio podcast you may have missed the interactive podcast that we did on our new podcast channel on youtube i'd love to hear as much feedback as possible on that new format because over the years i've realized that a lot of our very best hunting conversations get missed because we're having them while we're out scouting or at camp or maybe driving from spot to spot or visiting friends and I really just want to do a better job of documenting those conversations because sometimes the fine details get lost when we sit down in front of cameras and there's a bunch of pressure so the episode that we posted on the THP podcast YouTube channel last week is a little bit of a different format than a traditional podcast. So if you haven't watched it yet and you get a chance to, please let us know what you think. In this episode, though, Ben and I are talking with Josh after we went out to his lease and got to lay eyes on the lay of the land and how unique of a property that truly is. We asked him a ton of questions while we were out there, but once we got back, we started diving into some more questions as well as stories of hunts that he's had out there in the past and what he's learned from hunting in really steep, rugged terrain. We talk a lot about how deer use specific terrain features and and how you can try to find the path of least resistance and use that to your advantage when trying to intercept bucks. We also talk about finding and setting up on fresh sign as well as thermals and how you can use those to your advantage. I also just got done editing a video version of this podcast as well where I spent a bunch of time putting cutaways over the top of a lot of the things that we're talking about as well as maps and text. So if there's something that you're hearing that you're not totally sure of what we're talking about, go check out the podcast channel and hopefully that'll help you be able to figure out what we're talking about a little bit better. Last year we partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild is a free social community where not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, they give you awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. While you're going to spend those $10 on the Go Wild store, you can also save an additional 10% off your order if you use the code THP at checkout. All you got to do is visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. All right, guys, let's talk with Josh. Get a haircut, dude. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> You just go next door tomorrow morning. Yeah, Wake up and go to the salon. Yeah. Get your nails did. <laughs> get your eyebrows fixed. Get a little trimming. This piece right here was just in Josh's tire. Yes, it was. Which, pretty crazy. We definitely didn't have any idea what it was. And I remember staring at that thing for a long time thinking, what in the what hell? Is it? Yeah. Lo and behold, Whoa, did you guys just get real loud? It felt that. Now I can hear you good now. Yeah. I wonder if it just wasn't getting power there. I don't know. That's weird. There was light. Now it was light. Are you guys too loud or are you good? No. I think it sounds fine. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We might spike out if we get excited. I think it's just in our ears. I think the levels are the same. I think maybe this thing just wasn't getting power for a minute or so. Not, Not a lot of, I don't know. I need your tech guy. <laughs> and that's right. I'm not I'm not gonna be actually gonna be able to figure out the answer to that. The answer to the tech? Or the, or tech. the answer to that Both. rod in your hand. Both. The tech is I don't know why that just happened. One thing that happens with this whole rig that 
I still am just in a guessing phase of is every once in a while you'll just hear like like staticky robot noises is what I would describe yeah. a mass. And when that's happening, I really have no idea what's going on at all. Sometimes it's like you put a phone close to the cords and stuff and it happens and it'll just go away. Sometimes you just go like this, it goes away. No idea. And like the other day too, I was doing one with, one with my dad and for like 10 minutes, <laughs> we were sitting there trying to figure out how to get rid of the static noise. There was just a static noise and no shit. Every time we do this, it would go away. It was like every time these headsets just got close to the floor, it stopped. There's this buzzing that you're hearing. Gone. No kidding. No idea. No idea why that stuff's happening. I don't know if it's like bad chords or like... It seems to me though like something interferes with that thing. And again, not being the tech guy, I don't actually know what's happening. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I'm definitely not that guy. I mean, it's really a, a odd thing. I have to when when we I hook up to our equipment podcast. Like it takes like two hours for me to hook it up oh, to get, get it right ready. and be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> drives me crazy. I feel like I got to a point with that thing where I just start putting it on the same numbers every time, as far as like everybody's volume. And there's kind of a safe spot where it's like, once I get it into the editor, if I need to bring it up a little bit, we're good. But yeah. I'm generally louder than most people. So I, you know, can't really base everything off of my level. Right. And it's just, I don't know, tech guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. anyway, what is it? No idea, man. <laughs> I know what it was. When we finally got it loosened up and got it to come out. We just kept on pulling yeah, that that was the part where it was really funny too, because I start pulling it out, like, and you're just like, joke? "Don't pull it all." <laughs> I wanted to get my plug ready. <laughs> Hell, you could, I could, you could have just kept on pulling it. I'd have had time. I don't understand how the roundness punctured, other than just sheer, maybe hit it vertical, yeah. and then just sheer weight. I think it could have bumped and rolled up, and just yeah, yeah. got wedged and just sheer weight. But it is weird that that thing that didn't bend at all or anything. Yeah. I guess with that being said, we were out checking out Josh's lease, which maybe is going up before this, maybe not, I don't know, but that's something that we filmed, we had a good time with that, that was really the highlight of the last several days for me, just seeing some seeing some bucks and cruising around and hearing your experiences and stuff like that, and I think... I don't know. I just feel that there's still so many questions I have, like from a hunting strategy standpoint, like in some stories about hunting and that type of stuff. Well, that that's why I wanted you all to ride up there because we all we've all we've talked about it in the past, and you've hunted mm-hmm. some of the similar yeah stuff. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know if the stuff you've hunted is that vast. No. Mm-hmm. The one thing though that I am kind of curious about is the timber, and I feel that I want to hear more stories about being in the timber in that area or similar areas where it's that steep and and gnarly Uh, it's obviously thick can be can be it's extremely steep it is extremely steep if you if if you pull up like the do you ever use the uh gradient color on onyx mm mm-hmm I started using that this just this fall, mm-hmm. just to try to find better access that's mm-hmm. not red. Yeah. So everything in this area, looking at that gradient, is red, which is on average forty-five degrees. Gee. Everything. When that's the case, my belief is is it has to, in ways, if you can find it, become easier to find those little pockets that they're going to lay on, or or spend their time and move on it but also there has to be a ton of area where it's like how would the deer even get through there or how do you set up on it i, I guess that's those well, are that's the questions in, in the, that I have. In the timber here i mean you're going to hunt funnels mm-hmm. big time yeah not funnels like 
that have been seen Midwest. Mm-hmm. It's just this steep ground, you know, just like we were talking about when we were up there looking around. It's like the path of less resistance mm-hmm. and less under pressure. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, Bo Martonic was down in February, mm-hmm. and he wanted to go out without the leaves on and look around. And so we were side hilling just around the side of a mountain. He's like, I think I'm going to put a camera here. And I was like, what for? He's like, well, just to see if deer trail. I was like, dude, those batteries will last until like 2030 because you're only going to get like four pictures here. (laughs) You know. But it's just a difference in, you know, because bow hunts big timber in the mountains of Pennsylvania. Yep. But when you get these steeps, like these deer, I think they travel vertical and sideways Mm -hmm. from flat to flat, and they're not going to go through a drain that's, 200 foot long and damn near vertical rock wall yeah they're not traveling through there Mm -hmm. so the trail above it very prominent that they're traveling right there Mm -hmm. so you're constantly looking for those choke points that just help the deer travel Mm -hmm. it's it's not really forcing them that way they just don't want to go they don't want to have a rough walk yeah just like like us they don't want to go across like huge bottoms and and super steep narrow stuff and that's something that i feel like i'm continuing to learn and some of the stuff you and i have hunted together where it's like man yeah on a map in theory it looks like it looks yeah it looks like you could just in it look it it appears that you could just go right around it but then you get actually in there it's like what the hell would anything ever go across here unless it's straight forced that's right which would be challenging to do that anyway and I just think of, there was a spot that I was scouting. And I, I told you a little bit about it. It was before I had found those couple of sheds this past February. Mm-hmm. And I was walking this spot and got back in there. I'd been looking at it and like kind of drooling at it on the map for a while. And it was a finger off of a bigger main ridge, but it was a big, long finger. And then it had kind of a horseshoe at the end of it. And at the end of that horseshoe, you could tell that there was some sort of disturbance that was likely kind of cut towards the end and on the knobs of those last two, I guess, little mini fingers off of the point. And within that bowl, I was like, oh, man, there's going to be like, you know, all this, you know, travel in between on that steeper stuff and i get in there and it's like no it's so steep that everything's actually going in in a roundabout way going way up and around that stuff and i just think here there's got to be tons of areas that deer just actually never go you know tons of areas yeah like there's no reason there's no reason for them to go down and back up that when they could just take the roundabout way and go up and around it just because physically it's almost impossible in some of these places there's all you know all in these mountains there's prospect roads from them looking for coal seams and being able to follow it logging roads and the deer you know that's their corridors of travel Mm -hmm. um old mine benches Mm -hmm. because it's a lot of even if they have to go all the way through the holler they might shortcut it up in the head of the holler somewhere I swear they'd rather travel around than go down and up, just like us. Mm-hmm. Um, but the timber's the same way. I mean, even in the open ground, you could see, like when we were talking about the transition lines of the coming out of the mines mm-hmm. into the timber. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are just hot beds mm-hmm. because it's kind of like a field corner in a flat farm ground setting. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like this is where all the animals and people and everything for years have created this path of least resistance. Yeah. I'm going right here. Yep. I'm going to go in by the, by this fence post. Mhm. You know, on a platform. Yep. But yeah, it's the same same case. So I think that one thing that's helped me understand that a lot better is elk hunting. Mm-hmm. You'll be elk hunting and you know that those things can just truck a thicket you know they can just go right over it but it's like if you got super steep and super thick 
they just don't. They can. You know they physically can do it, but they don't do it. And I think when you see that over and over again, it's just like, oh, well. Not to say that elk won't be in steep stuff. They absolutely will, especially if it's avoiding pressure. But it's the same thing. And I like that addition you put at the end of the pass of least resistance unless pressured. Yeah. Like, because they will adjust. But there's also so much room in places with big timber, big mountains that there's more places to hunt in, in like a, you know, one mile by one mile block than there is in like open farm country. So it's like people have more room and deer have more places to escape and they, and they just will leave. That's the toughest, <laughs> that's the toughest part of hunting is mm-hmm. people talk about patterns of deer and they can do that and watch de- the same deer day after day or every other day, same times. Like these deer don't, they're like nomads, you know, mm-hmm. the bedding doesn't change from here to a mile away mm-hmm. or two hollers away. So you might hunt here and they're way over here. There's, it's so big, it's hard to pinpoint. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I ground hunt because mm-hmm. you can you go can hunt and, bigger. Yes. And you can go to the deer. Mm-hmm. Instead of waiting for the deer to come to you. Yeah. I mean, if you're in an ambush situation, you know, you're waiting a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I like being able to see it and go mm-hmm. if he hitting, you know, because I've just not had luck pattern and saying, this deer's going to come here, you know. So that's why I ground hunt so much is because I'd rather just go to them and not Mm-hmm. take that factor waiting for something calling wise do you ever rattle or anything um very little rattling because very little responsiveness yeah and then what's been your experience rattling like when you've had when you've had bad experiences like what are those you know no, no bad response. no bad experiences only experiences, just not getting no response i mean i've rattled in one deer here really compared to how often do you do it now not any now right no i do zero now yeah it's just like something that just like why am i packing these around not packing these around anymore not having any and i did it for years just what when you're rattling are you in a tree stand or are you on the ground i've done in the past well mainly in tree stand Mm -hmm. Um, my belief is is that sound, that's why sound I don't know. Uh, yeah sound waves sound and like just also the hollowness of like think about think about if you're down on a side hill and this is super steep stuff and the leaves are off and it's calm crunchy day it's like if you're in a tree stand you're rattling even if you're making a little bit of ground noise it's like we talked about when you told that story earlier today of those bucks fighting and you get up there and the whole like the whole hillside's just exploded if you're going to rattle on those types of days, which are, in my opinion are great days to do it because you rattle, you stop, and then you can hear them coming too. It's like, man, when we changed this, this is when rattle and started working again for us. It, like, Have you ever seen those videos of Keith and I just like oh, yeah. rolling on the ground and like breaking stuff? Like To me, this is a sweet spot to be able to do that if you're using like folds of terrain and stuff like that. But... Hell, I don't know. I also could try and have the same exact results. It's just well, something I mean, that fascinates me. It's like hell. I might put it in the arsenal again this fall. But like I could, as soon as I go across the river, I'm packing them again mm-hmm. because I've had way more response mm-hmm. over there than I have here. Oh, you're talking about sound too, and you're talking about it's harder to cast it. Yes. Yeah, that's a good. That's definitely a factor in it. I guess I probably should, but I just never had much luck with it. Well, there's some, I mean, a lot of the hills that I'm talking about, too, are smaller. Like, from top to bottom, just flat out, not even close. The height, elevation change, it's not the same. So, I could definitely see where that would impact it a lot. You're never going to rattle in a buck, too, if some bitch can't hear you. That's right. You know, like, you can't rattle a buck in that doesn't hear you. So if I, <laughs> I, know, I don't, stupid, I mean, but. no, no, that's the same as you're not going to kill any deer where there's no deer, right? you know, um, but then 
I snort waves more than I do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, when and is that when you're in close proximity to deer, like you my, see them, or just whenever? I, I do it just as I'm Blind. walking. Yeah. Uh, instead of grunting. Give us one. Oh no, I don't want to. I got. I'll blow snuff all over us. Give us one. <laughs> That's a pretty nice one. Just sit in the truck and just do that shit for so long. I don't know. <laughs> like a weirdo. I don't know. I, I've done the same thing. And um, it seems more responsive than anything. Yeah, I think it's – I mean, it's been crazy since people started filming the the snort wheeze. You know, whenever that started becoming popular, probably 2000 early 2000s yeah. is when i first remember it really popping up it's like snort wheezing it's like ever since people started doing that it's just become you know one of the most used tools of whitetail hunters across the country i mean i i carry a grunt call with me always mm-hmm. i just don't grunt i snort wheeze more than i grunt when i'm on the ground mm-hmm. um i mean i've had them in across the holler and see them, and they they'd be beelining like down, and I just <laughs> and then somebody stops and just he's coming like as soon as they turn, it's like get ready, get ready, <laughs> hey hey, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, heart racing, yeah. brain soup, and uh, <laughs> I've done it. You know, multiple times, I just, they're just really responsive to it. You know, right situation, right day. Mm-hmm. Um, Can be good any time of the year, though, too. Oh, I, I've i not heard deer, but I'm sure that they do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Just to. I bet they're doing it right now. Yeah. Somewhere, some, someone's snort wheezing out there somewhere. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Possibly. Probably up in that 10-acre clover patch and th- over there at the lease, there's just like. Probably like 30 deer in there right now, and bucks are snort wheezing at each other, saying, get the hell away from my clover. Yeah, they could be. <laughs> if there was a clover patch over there. <laughs> where we parked, where we parked, oh, and we saw all those big oh, bucks, no. there's yeah, a no. shit ton of clover no. over it's there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just planted that. The, mine, the mines did that. That's That was like, ooh, nice little complimentary food plot up yeah. there. That's big. <laughs> yeah. There's a uh, lot of tracks going into that thing, oh, too. Yeah. We're driving past. I could see them going all up in that yeah. stuff, which I'm sure they don't hit that in the daylight, but at night, that's, that's a little right. congregation area yeah, up there. Guarantee it. Do you read it like scrapes often out there? Are you picking up on those and using that, or are you – I mean, obviously, there's a lot of visual aspect that goes into what you're doing a lot of the time, but like if you're going to commit to – hanging a saddle up are you looking for sign or what what kind of makes you go in that route uh early season i'll hang up with food if i you know if the acorns do drop Mm -hmm. or you know i think acorns drop every year Mm -hmm. just depends on if you find the trees that are dropping yeah that's just how i i mean they might not you might not have this big mass where you're just rolling around like marbles Mm mm-hmm but I even think when you go on big mass, it's a big mass on the ridge or point wherever your hunting is. All the acorns drop there. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that two hollers over, all the acorns dropped. Yeah. So early season, just looking for food and glassing. You know, I still glass a lot in early season. Yeah. Because they're still feeding in the evenings, mm-hmm. coming out in the open before the acorns drop. Mm-hmm. If you catch them early, and uh, might set up there, and then you know once the rut hits. There's a difference in scrapes for me. Like, if I see a scrape and, like, I'm not going to sit up on a scrape that has a little V of, like, one, two, one, yeah, two, and it creates like a, a little just V. A, just a, a quick power. You know, I'm looking for, like, car hood scrapes that are, look like you put a disc in them and there's <laughs> scrapes everywhere. Multiple deer are using them. Like, even, like, around, yeah. like, an autumn yeah. or something. And, I mean... I will sit on one of those. Mm-hmm. And, and what does that, for you, what does that mean? Like, what does that big of a scrape mean? And what's the difference between that and 
just the well, just the, the I, pawing, I, you know, the simpler, smaller. Well, I'm just one. taking the odds that more than one deer is using that. Mm-hmm. It's great, and yeah, the big dominant buck might have come in two hours ago and left with a doe, and he could be three ridges over. That's cool, but that scrape is telling me that more than one buck's using that. Mm-hmm. So let's see what comes and checks it, because you might not get on the dominant buck he might already be out there with a doe Mm -hmm. but who's to say since he left then another mature buck that say hey it's my chance to get in his territory i've done bred the does over here Mm -hmm. let me go check this scent something that i think about or been thinking about the last few years and i've had some good examples of talking with friends and knowing what they were getting for trail camera pictures and stuff like that in areas where there was a big mature buck kind of hanging at that very front end of the rut. It's like late October, early November. And the example that I think of that comes to mind that just was a really interesting one, and I try to consider this to help boost my confidence during that time of the year because to be honest i'm still i'm still for my days that i really like to be out there i'm still a couple weeks shy october 28th yeah yeah it can be good i've seen some real good days had some one of the best days ever had was like her days consecutive was like 28th 29th 30th in october but it's like you can be off of where that hot dough is and you're in a dead zone but that's the rut in general but early on it seems like if you find those scrapes that are just torched, man, like wrapped around the bottom of a pin oak or an autumn olive or, uh, you know, it's it's at an intersection of trails and there's like, you know, freshly hit car hood scrape. I think that that can indicate that a buck is already hanging with a doe. She may not be in heat yet, but he's letting every other punk know hey, dudes, I'm here. Get the hell out of here. And the reason that I think that and the example that comes to mind, or the number one, there's a lot of them, but the number one is Luke Nissen. We used to film our friends in Iowa. We had private land video, and then we had public land video. And we would film those guys. We would be on, you know, the bucks that they were on some private land in Iowa with them, filming them. And Luke is on this, like, monster in 2017. Tank of a buck. He and Luke shot some freaky big bucks. And we go in and, uh, or actually, I had went in and hunted with him and we didn't see anything. But then Greg went, like, a day later, two days later maybe. Was no- I think it was November 1st. And they end up killing this buck, but the reason that Luke was in there is he found this scrape or he had it and then checked a camera that was on a scrape that had just blown up. And all of a sudden this buck, like every day, like clockwork is coming into this and he's just hitting this spot and he just kind of disappears back into this bedding area. But it's obvious that he's close because he'll even hit it sometimes randomly in the middle of the day. And it's like, I guess maybe he doesn't have a doe, but regardless, something there, and what other than a doe at that point in the year would be keeping him right there that consecutively, day in and day out for like two or three days, four days, or whatever Just it was. For. I mean, it almost appeared to be that way because he's torching this spot. I mean, he's got this scrape annihilated, and he's checking it constantly. And I think he may not be betting with her. But they're communicating potentially through that. Like, she's maybe funneling through there and hitting that. And it's like, if I find that that time of the year, even if I'm not necessarily that fired up about the spot, it's like, if you find a big, crazy hit scrape where it's like, man, they're hitting that a ton. I mean, late October is always good to be on a scrape, but, like, that type of scrape specifically because – I agree. You find that like little scrape line. It can help you if you already feel confident that there's a buck. Like for example, if you find a big monster track and it's smoking fresh, rained last night, it's first light, stopped raining an hour before daylight, and you find a smoking fresh track, and you're like, that's a tank. And then you start following those tracks, and maybe you don't pick up on them for 20 yards, but then you see 
that little scrape. It's like, well, that same buck. And you can track it to where you think he's bedded. That's a different story. I know Warb last summer was telling a story about him doing that, and then they ultimately bumped the buck. But it's like you're tracking it back on that really specific trail. But on the other hand, when you find those monster scrapes, like they're, to your point, multiple deer using them, and there has to be some sort of meaning. And I mean, I'm still trying to figure out what it is, but it seems to me like what else would it be other than a hot doe hanging around there and he's just communicating yeah, with all the like, other deer. Or like four or five throughout the night, four or five different sets of does, doe groups come through there. And he just and all went kinda, to that hot one. Yeah, yeah, and then like they all cross <clears throat> that spot and he's, you know, that's his little signpost. Mm-hmm. They're going to smell it every time they walk through and then mm-hmm. waiting on the first one to switch over. <laughs> switch over. <laughs> that worked for you. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that the, the switch ease ain't, ain't real appreciative of it. <laughs> switch ease. <laughs> I'm just saying. But like last fall when I found those scrapes, I found them that afternoon. And I was like, good night. Put a camera up and deer in there all night. They were in there at daylight. That's the buck that you killed last year in West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and he, he came in that morning. Time out. Hold up. Tell me how the story of how you found him. Like more of the detail. No, no, I, I had, I had pictures of him early in the summer yeah of that buck yeah yep uh on minerals mm-hmm. and probably late august like he was gone mm-hmm. and like i never went back to the minerals you know it was a cell camera mm-hmm. um never got another picture you know i was struggling to find a deer to hunt um was seeing deer you know glassing but just not what's required <laughs> right and um zach said um untamed zach mm-hmm. he's like dude you need to go up there and find that flyer buck he said you know he's somewhere up there just go up there and find him i was like okay dude i'll try so i didn't t- i didn't it, you know supposed to, i didn't even take a bow with me we went up on this, and it's a small ridge, you know, not small, but it's... <laughs> say, what the hell small ridge mean to you? It's a couple miles long. Sure. You small. Know. Little yeah. <laughs> with, some, with some finger points coming off. Yeah. And so, like, I'm just pretty much speed scouting, mm-hmm. you know, not really... I'm wanting to catch that, you know, something to catch my eye. And I found those two scrapes, and I was like, good night. And what, like, what exactly? It was in a low gap. Two two reclaimed mm-hmm. knobs came down. And I was telling you that I mowed last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that those two knobs came down, and then there was like a triangle of, like, where the reclamation was flat before it went back over the slope. And it was probably 90 yards long and at the max 50, 50 yards wide. Mm-hmm. But like where I was hunting, it was 20 yards wide. And I mowed that last year because you couldn't get through it. And it came up that real nice grass. When I mowed it, I sprayed it and killed it. And then I just seeded it just direct with clover and and but the like the fescues came up and so but the clover did too but like i put a camera up on those scrapes because it was just I mean, like it kind of created like a little lane in there right like well, obviously with the mowing it's a, some sort of but like, it, it was it was a lane from them coming because there was a prospect road going out the one side mm-hmm. one end of it mm-hmm. so they were coming from the timber coming through and then going through the low gap going to the other side mm-hmm. and they would use the thickets up on the hills too but you could tell once i mowed there was a noticeable natural trail coming out of that bench and you could t- walk that bench and walk the same deer trail 
instead of it going up it went all the way out the ridge and all the way around the point the end and into the holler on the other side i mean there was obviously deer trails going up but the prominent one was going the long way mm-hmm. around so when you found the scrapes they were just like two magnum scrapes or what two two very little i mean there was some just like pollen scrapes mm-hmm. like them just stopping on the field edge or on that that soft edge mm-hmm. and just pop pop go pop pop maybe hit a limb or two you know those quick ones mm-hmm. but i was like we're gonna hunt here and then i got all those pictures of those deer but i knew i was going back tomorrow but i was we were going to hunt that morning i said we didn't hunt in the morning but there was deer in there mm-hmm. i said we'll come in midday check the wind find us a tree and the options were very slim pegans mm-hmm. you all saw the growth that we have yeah. on these reclaims and you guys end up hanging on a sycamore or a, was we, it a sycamore no tree? it was a uh, pawpaw tree mm-hmm. is what we got in uh, <laughs> and i sat there for 30 minutes dropping milkweed do you have do you eat any pawpaws no you like those things no what no you really don't no you do yeah, yeah. I would think Ben would. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, I don't like them. I drop milkweed, and it blow it that way. I drop more milkweed, and it take it through the gap. I drop more milkweed, and it blow this way. And I said, "Man," I said, "Temperature's going to drop." I said, "Let's just go over here to the edge." as close as we can get going over the hill and just hunt. I said, I I feel like as soon as this, you know, as soon as the sun starts going down, it was already cool, but they would pull through that low gap and then just. I think I remember, I remember that part. I think where you're dropping and it's going yeah. down later in the up, evening. I go right? over there and I'm like, this is where we need to hunt. And I was like, okay, let's find a tree. It kept getting better, though, right, towards the dark, because right. that was kind of oh, your no, theory was, on yeah. it, is that it was just going to oh, continue no, it, to drop. Like, before, you know, oh, right before away, you could see, like, it was just sucking. Mm-hmm. And um, so we got in this pawpaw tree, it was, it was about 12 inches, and then it split about three foot off the ground, so we had to pick what branch we wanted to go up. <laughs> and we got in this daggone thing, and it wasn't eight inches. Another advantage of a saddle is you can just get in places that, you can't get elevated mm-hmm. with stands and stuff. Yeah. And uh, we were 10, 12 foot, maybe. We got to the point where me and Alex, the cameraman, he was above me foot and a half. We got to the point where, like, the tree was creaking. Like, and I, I think was like, I dead calm. Or, like, not... Like the the thermal was still pulling down, your wind was still good. But isn't there a clip where there's a deer right underneath of you and Dude. It, the, the so ankles I, like right what, here? Well, that's what was crazy about the wind and the thermals is like we were there maybe forty five minutes, and I was like Alex, deer, 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 deer. And he's like where? I said it's just walking. I I hear it walking. Yeah, I remember that. And a doe comes up. She comes dead under us from down, went, and walks right under us, goes through her. Next thing I know, I hear, mm. I was like, hey. And I, and I didn't even see it there. I was like, big buck, big buck, big buck. <laughs> and Alex is like, where? I said, it's following this doe, same path, just get ready, you know. And uh, he came up and stopped maybe 15 feet right here. And we're just sitting there watching him. And I said, I said, what do you think? He said, I don't, I don't think so. And I said, man, he's a good deer. And then he comes up dead under me, probably seven, eight feet and stops right here off my corner. And the angle camera, I'm right here and you can see him. I mean, he's, (laughs) that's what I'm remembering. And then, then, so he comes from the downhill side, comes under us. And then goes through that low gap, and it's like he never 
neither one of them and i'm like what what's the wind doing now like is it just swirling and taking it up out of here because it wasn't pushing it to the ground for sure because we would have been busted mm-hmm. he just smelled your degree deodorant yeah most <laughs> definitely <laughs> but like from that point on and that was like two thirty. Like he took that dough up and, and and we're sitting there looking. You can see these these two knobs, and we're hearing deer. We can't see them, but we're hearing deer over here on this knob. They're not running; they're just walking, browsing. It sounds like, but like on this knob, you can like I'm going, man. You sit, and we're still watching that same buck, but then you hear another buck snort wheeze, and you're looking, and also you just going through those tickets you, i just saw a horn i was like there he is i said what is that buck what is that what is that and it's you know then they're fighting and then a couple other bucks come from off the top and then they're all just they're running they're coming running that deer down by me and then a couple more does come off the you know the bench in front of me and like it's pandemonium <laughs> i'm not like you're talking about like what to do what to do and you know the wind. I don't know how these because these deer they go all the way like the does. They're running past us and running below us and then coming back out. Like if you if you're a deer hunter, it's like one of those evenings you want to be right there just to listen. Oh yeah, and just so much going on, it's overwhelming. I mean, it it started at two thirty, and it never stopped until I shot the buck. You know. 25 30 minutes before yeah i was gonna say you end up getting him pretty late oh no he never like i thought we saw a bigger buck but like those deer were snort wheezing and it was so it was crazy because you can hear me in the video because alex like here here i was like hey just the deer all around us just move slow from one another just kind of show everything that's going on best you can and those deer were up on that hillside and you heard it was like a I was like that's a different deer Alex and he's like you think I was like that is a different deer that was not the snort wheezes we've been hearing that's the snort wizard yeah <laughs> and then you know he was like a big yeah. I mean that deep mm-hmm. I was like god that deer's up on that hillside I said I hope it comes down then all of a sudden there's another pawpaw tree behind us and some autumn mobs at the bottom of it. Like maybe 15 yards. And this doe just beelines off the hill. And you can tell deer's behind her. But she beelines and comes down to us and then shoots in that autumn mob. And like she's in there trembling. Like she's been run ragged. <laughs> Scared to death. <laughs> First timer, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that buck comes off the hill i said i'm looking and you know it's getting gray and i'm looking and i'm like dude that i think that's him yeah he's a shooter and he comes down he's looking all around for her and if he would have smelled her that's what i'm saying i mean i'm sure he could have just followed her scent right there but those two deer that had come out on the mine bench like those deer were not in heat, weren't coming in heat, didn't want to get messed with. So they kind of just stayed right there at that soft edge, just kind of watching everything. And that deer, that buck had come off, and I couldn't shoot where he'd come off. I don't, this deer would never move. These deer moved, and that buck was looking around, and he saw them and turned and was going down to check them. Because basically I, he got confused not knowing who he's even looking at That's anymore. right. Yeah. I swear that, I mean, you can see it in the video. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that I, I don't know if he just couldn't smell this one, but he saw those and was like, hey, let me go down there and check these. It's like he just chose not to even just track the doe that he right. apparently was on, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Because he came, you know, in front of me 20 yards of course he got thumped and you know we're you know i get kind of fired up a, yeah, li- a little tore up you know i'm i'm little i'm cool man until the shot yeah <laughs> you know and then after that you know it's 
meltdown time. Oh, yeah. But, like, that dough stayed there. And then we were, like, fist bumping and shaking, and the tree started, like, creaking, and we stopped, like, 15 seconds later, and that's that dough finally. It's like, ooh, was something's like, wrong. Yeah, something's up there. Yeah. <laughs> and she finally walked out and went through that low gap we were in. It's like she was that's scared. That's not a pawpaw? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we heard him crash, but wasn't real sure because all those other deer were yeah, running that, around. I remember that part. Like, and, being like, yeah, how the hell did you ever know that that deer went down? Yeah, like Alex was like, he's down. I'm like, are you sure? I think so. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, let's call Zach. We'll meet up with him. And what was crazy is, like, the activity in that off in that low gap and off that edge when we went back up there and we and you know i had an idea where i thought he might have crashed but i couldn't hear Mm -hmm. but i just went ahead and blood trailed anyway yep like we're blood trailing and there's deer running all around us just still rutting up there yeah like nuts what was the date on that one? November 9th. Okay. No, November 6th. Okay. Yeah, November 6th. And, you know, we're taking our pictures, and I start cleaning the deer. They're just still running. It's, it's meaning wild. And by the time we get off the hill, phone service, you know, across the river, there's two other bucks on, on the screen. Jeez. I mean... So that I mean, it tells you that there was multiple bucks mm-hmm. using it. It was hot. It was that great corridor of. And that's think, where they I were that like, day too. That's right? exactly right. I mean, who knows if that buck would have been there? He could have took that doe he was chasing. And they could have got in a crazy chase and just kept the whole thing rolling for a mile, two that's miles. Right. And then she comes into heat. He breeds her, tends with her. Sticks around, makes her feel good about herself <laughs> before he leaves. He could have been gone for two or three days. Yep. Now, he would have probably made his way back there. Mm-hmm. But I probably would have missed him mm-hmm. because I'm probably not going to sit in the same spot and just For seven just days, yeah. Well, and it's also one of those things in those situations I always feel like if he does leave, or, or let's put it this way. He may have been somewhere completely different a week prior. That's right. He could have been holed up alone. Then all of a sudden he's with all those deer because there's a doe or two maybe or maybe more than that that are close. There's other bucks coming in. He also is just likely the dominant one, right? Like Or, or one of do- the dominant bucks in that area. And it just kind of creates this madhouse. And, and I hadn't seen him for two months. Mm-hmm. Now he could have been up there before I put a camera up. Mm-hmm. But... I hadn't got a How far was that from? From where the mineral site was? Mm-hmm. Maybe 300, 400 yards. Can you show me the two oh, spots yeah, on yeah, there? Yeah, I like that hybrid. Yeah, the hybrids. Yeah, the hybrids. Slick. I love it. Mm-hmm. Now, now you can do 3D on there. Just two fingers. You can just roll that puppy and see everything. I bet that's insane for here. Well, I was looking at it earlier, and it's insane. When you got that 3D and you can see it, and you do you ever mess with the exaggeration on there? Oh yeah, that really helps see yeah. things too. That's that little place I cut. You can see like this, mm-hmm. so it's about 50 yards. Yeah, and I was in that. I was in one of these pawpaw trees right here. Can I see this? Yeah. So after I killed that buck and Zach had a couple encounters, he you know he had a real close encounter on a, on a on a mega and he didn't you know grunt you know snort wheezing he now this is a he was in an area that was hot looking we had talked about it during turkey season last year because we were in there turkey hunting and he rattled in this area put his horns up it was a miserable day cold windy rain he grunted Snort wheezed and was just kind of sitting there. 
because he had heard something behind him in the thicket, and he was trying to get it to pull out. What? So he's looking like this because he's thinking he heard something over here, and he turns back, and this mega is walking right at him, just like. And like Alex is sitting there filming him, and I mean he he's a mega dust, typical ten monster, and he's coming around this thicket, and the wind's blowing this way. And he's coming around, and Zach, and he wasn't ready for the deer. Of course, he was thinking the deer was behind him. He wasn't even, and this out front is like open. Like, he don't even know where the deer came from, whether he was bedded in some dip and he couldn't see. He said, but like all of a sudden, he said, Josh, he said, I'm telling you, he had, if he came up from all the way across, there's no way I missed him. So he must have been somewhere right there. And uh, as soon as he hit their wind, that son of a gun stopped, thought about it for a nanosecond, and pinwheeled. <laughs> well, then up there mm-hmm. where I was showing you, another hot scrape. He was out on the far end and saw some sign, and we were talking on the phone. He said, it looks good up here. He said, there, there's some sign. And he said, Damn, he said, there he is. And he looked over on the berm, and there was a good buck. Well, this will tell you how hot it was up there. He now He's in a side-by-side because he's just looking. That deer bumps off, goes back in the timber where he was from. Mm-hmm. Zach goes out three or 400 yards, parks, and says, Alex, get her stuff, get your saddle on. We're going back here and hunting. And Alex's like, dude, we bumped that deer. We were in side by side. He's like, there's too much going on out there. And they go back in two hours later. You know, he's got a 40-yard encounter with this buck and couldn't get a shot. Hogs messed him up. <laughs> that deer's like trailing a doe had already come through and he was like something's on her and that buck's coming and then he hears something coming up from the timber and it was a sow on her schultz and that buck like is it. not coming that direction yeah. they're they're going but it was like he saw the sign saw the buck bumped him but that buck wanted up there that that in that area so bad that two hours later, he got an encounter with him. Yeah. It, and a lot of people wouldn't do that. Yeah. Are there times where, like, let's say you're finding one here. Yep. Are there times when all of a sudden, the next time you find him, he's like... Across. Yeah. Way yes. down across. Yes. Yeah. How far away do you park the vehicle? Like, are you conscious of where you park the oh, vehicle? Yeah. I'm all the way out here just opening. Okay. I don't want to give any sort of distraction to change that because yeah. they're always crossing from this that knob across from me and in the grand scheme of things it's not very far as a crow flies yeah the re- if they do go down and up the the reason you probably do it too is there's just enough terrain between you and them that they don't pick you off from that far they're not bothered by you guys getting in and out of the vehicle right yeah and you is know, that something you pay attention to a lot oh, around yeah. here and then you know if that scent and thermals is right, I mean, and that hot dose, it's not, like, crazy to me to think that, that scent's all the way over there. Yeah. Oh, those yeah. Those bucks are pulling off the hill and going, hey, <laughs> I'm getting in on it, too. Yeah. How far do they say sharks can smell blood in the water? It's like, you'd think a white-tailed deer could probably smell that switch. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, guaranteed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's pretty interesting i want to ask here you but now sometimes you might be driving and glassing and they see you you see them hey i'm still gonna try to get you yeah yeah yeah. and you leave the vehicle right there and they've seen it they're on alert but let's play cat and mouse Mm -hmm. you know yeah Especially if they, like, dip out a little bit and go out of sight. It's just like, well, no point in worrying about it now. Might as well get out. Yeah. <laughs> cut down to where you last yeah. saw them and get close. That's right. Yeah. 
So the one that I want to ask about before we wrap this one up, because we're getting late into the night, but I do do love the conversation. Oh, I do too. I I love bullshit. <laughs> that that buck that is on your screensaver. You told you said I'm pretty sure that's what you're talking about. Is the one that taught you more about thermals than any deer ever or like you know you learned more about hunting that deer is that correct no this that's the kentucky buck i thought that's the one you were talking about no no the, that was the one the brow time ah okay that was that i, I mean, did that was that i didn't kill oh okay you know, i the, i missed i the, yeah i didn't miss that part the the real big mega well what yeah tell me about that like what uh yeah i guess i do want to know as much as you're willing to share about what you learned from that deer specifically and how by spending countless days with no encounters of him other than on cameras mm-hmm. and going then, back and like looking at the wind directions and stuff yeah and then once he got killed you know then out you know everybody like i thought that there was only a few people hunting that deer but then they were getting pictures of that deer off the property we were hunting. I mean, way off. It's like, pull that up. Show me where you were. Where you let, were let seeing. Me, let him. me show him a pic. Get get a picture first. Yeah, yeah. Get me all fired up. You've yeah. seen that one, right? Yeah. You've seen those pictures. Yeah, that thing's a freaky thing. Yeah, dude, that thing is not even. That's not even normal. Look how big is like. I this, always think this is crazy too. Think of the damn track that thing's laying down. Decent little one. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the head brow, on that thing. Brow tines sticking up above its G twos. It's freaky. But once he got killed, Jeez. like people were posting pictures about him, and you start looking at like timestamps. And like the whole time that I'm thinking that I'm in his wheelhouse, the days I really thought I had a chance, like he wasn't even in my vicinity. Can you show me a couple examples of that? Because like, I feel like that's so interesting because when you hear somebody say that and like, once you get an idea of what that scale really does look like, that really does help a lot. You know, it's like, that's the, you know, obviously the disadvantage of not having trail cameras, and that's why everybody has them. So that's it. That's this middle that point. That was the middle point, yeah. Yeah, this right here. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was spread all through here. Mm-hmm. I think I had six, seven cameras and was getting him on four to five cameras in, in a 24-hour period. This area. Okay. So say that last part again with the cameras. Sorry. So I'd get him on three, four, five cameras a day. Okay. You know, in a 24 hour, I mean, some of them be all night pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, but but, he, but he, he, at this point, it's like he's on that ridge system a he, lot. No, he's there. Yeah. I mean, I'm finding his rubs, his rubs, not any other rubs. That's, that's, what, like I was, that's not, what I was asking earlier. Like what, not, what is it? What is it? What do they look like? Dude, like, when you go to an automobile bush, and you know you a grown up one and all the limbs are coming out and they're three, four inches and they're it's a heavy automobile. But everything on these limbs is broke off and every three to four inch limb is shredded and there's just like shreds hanging off. Well, that's not Mr. Four Point. That's Big Daddy. <laughs> yeah. You know, That's Mr. Browdine. And when you go and you're seeing trees that are an inch and a half and they're completely twisted, that's not a normal deer. That's a big buck that's twisting those off. When you see those aggressive rubs, mm-hmm. um, so I know I was there. I mean, I was, I, I know I was because I hunted him a few days and I'd get him on a camera 80 yards away days that i was hunting here uh-huh. that deer now this this is a big holler oh yeah 
they'd get pictures of that deer over here on this Jeez. point on a totally different property yeah just measure distance from that top that you were hunting to that top there it's 1.1 mile but it's over that's as it's a crow down flies. back over yeah a gigantic mountain as big as the one that he's living on yeah and it was just and then you'd get him those the some other boys would get him downstream of the river mm-hmm. instead of upstream and it was just like man you know he's you just put, all over the place back in there kind of but at the same time he's but, got those places he really likes right yeah and he must have just been real slick at just like figuring the hunters out obviously like that had to have been his strong point because it wasn't like other people weren't in his area oh no i mean there was he was well there known was, there was a few guys that were had known him for a couple of years just like me yeah and you know they're they're good hunters and we're laying on him i think that the public land challenge that year was the first week of of november and i knew i'd have a chance because i'd hunted him on the ground a couple of times on on rainy days mm-hmm. and i said i'm gonna kill that deer in the rut this year i'm i'm, I'm just gonna hunt on the ground every day just to keep covering ground and I'll find him. Mm-hmm. He'll he will pop up, and then you know, obviously he got killed the day I left Indiana coming back home. But you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I was kind of glad. Yeah, because then you don't have to worry about it anymore. You know, you have that man. Damn, I wish yeah. if I wouldn't have been out here, I would have I would have killed him. Well, <laughs> nah, you you probably would have killed a bunch of time again. Yeah. <laughs> you know but so do you feel like what what are the biggest takeaways as far as like what you would do differently and what you really learned from him and just some of the things that you learned even after the fact before like untamed and listening to podcast and you know watching you all listen to you know Bo and his knowledge with the mountains like I think my biggest takeaway is you know, I didn't know. I knew what the windward and leeward side was, but I didn't know the terminology windward leeward. Mm-hmm. I hunt tops and points for reasons. That's consistent I, winds. Yes, or more consistent. Mm-hmm. And if it is blowing, it's going to blow out in the atmosphere. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's not slamming into the ground and yeah, swirling and again swirling once it does and it. And you, yeah. and you can watch the grass, and it's sitting there, and it just. So it's more consistent for me. and But I think that I would, I have since then hunted like that. The mid slope. The top third. Yeah. Of like a hillside. Mm -hmm. And I think that I would have, if I would have done that with no like prominent train features with that, because there was no skid roads or anything between that top and the road. Mm -hmm. It was just slope. But if I would have, hunted some of that i think that i would have seen that deer just because you think that he was working that in his advantage like he's yeah. in the evenings like for like, example like he's, he's just, not he's just not gonna walk the top not that there's anything bothering him up there he except just, for he's like probably six years old plus probably seven something like that <laughs> older he shit. just you know highly knowledgeable and <laughs> yeah like I've seen my buddies get smoked up on yeah. places like that. I'm not going up there. Yeah. I mean, know. and, but I've seen more, I've talked, you know, listen to you all talk about hunting that mid slope, mm-hmm. that top third of a hill. And, um, I think that if I'd have done that, that early season and then into the end of October, I would have, cause I had, I mean, I did, I had too many pictures of him. And if I would have just, got off the top some and tried to get in his I felt like I was in his house and I honestly thought at the time I was in his bedroom I was just like in his yard yeah yeah you know I should have been in his bedroom but you should have been down like on that like on this weird little point where there's a flat right here or something like because that's probably where now where you think he was bedded or here or something 
Yes. Even though the sign's all up here, it's like, yeah, now now that you have hindsight, it's like there, there. But it's like, but it is it is interesting too because that transition line, yeah. if that's thick and it's open below him, even if it's barely thick behind him and he can look down there towards that road, I'm sure that makes him feel real safe. And then like oh, what yeah. we were talking about earlier, what else, else is a great thing to be able to do from right there? skyline anything coming off the top and especially right there it's interesting to me that one is almost as interesting if not more because he's got a better ability to to skyline yep yeah that, that deer drove me crazy but you know it, it, i mean you got a lot out of it though that's what's oh, really no. cool about it i mean that it's a grind i mean that was the first deer i said i'm like gonna hunt mm-hmm. like i'm gonna pass you know, deer that come in that ain't him, mm-hmm. and I'm going to hunt him. And the guys that do that, hey, man, mad respect for him. Yeah. But it ain't me. Yeah, I got mad respect for it because it ain't me. Yeah. I'm just not going to do it. I can't yeah, have I mean, patience for it. No, nah, I mean, it It drove me crazy, my family crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just <laughs> became obsessed with that deer mm-hmm. and, like, it's cool one time i didn't like it it wasn't wasn't fun to me yeah like if i'd have killed it it's like you're pulling your hair out or banging your head against the wall however you want whatever your terminology for it it's like you know you go out there like i said we hunted nine days and saw three deer i mean anybody that is seeing those numbers like i was saying should probably change locations yeah i don't care where you're at uh so i guess i would have said it was fun if i'd killed that deer yeah but it wasn't fun and i I won't participate again (laughs) (laughs) it's that simple